We are feeling the love over here at Romance at a Glance. Yes, we are. Oh, we want to give a huge shout out to our new patrons. Amanda P. Hannah. Kelsey P. And Laura Y. You guys rock and we feel it. If you guys want to become a part of our patron family, go to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. Remember, you got to type it in, kids, or click the link in the app bio of your choice because we are explicitly awesome. Explicitly awesome. Also, (laughs) we're on Clubhouse. Yes, we are. Uh, And we want to talk to y'all. So if you want to join us in a room and like chat some romance with me, um, I would love that. So DM us and let me know if you're on Clubhouse, if you're interested. I can send an invite or two if I need to. But like, I'm ready to like, you know, have some chats like one-on-one or in a group with all of y'all. And Bridget has convinced me I am starting a book club on Clubhouse. Romance at a Glance book club. Hell yeah. It's going to be popping. You know what I'm saying? A little pop, 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 pop. <laughs> All right, let's get into this episode. Dear Romance Besties, this season we will be exploring dark romance. That means I need to give y'all a little trigger warning. We are going to be reading books where consent is murky at best. There will be triggering topics of psychological and physical abuse, manipulation, kidnapping, slavery, rape, bullying, bodice ripping, and sexual assault on the page. If this is not your cup of tea, we get it. We have lots of great books for you in our previous seasons and more coming up next season. Without further ado, Shani, welcome to the dark side. Ooh, thank you, Bridget. I'm ready. Well, hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. What up, Shawnee? What up, Bridget? Eh, 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 eh. I am stoked to talk to you about It Ain't Me, Babe by Telly Cole, because I read it a couple of weeks ago, and due to some scheduling things, you just finished it, and so I have been waiting and waiting to find out what you think. (laughs) And then, of course, in reverse... Tonight, you were waiting for me because I did not finish my notes on time. So I feel like we're just ready. Bursting. I know. I'm so excited. I didn't realize you had finished it like so long ago, though. I'm glad I didn't know that. Because I, (laughs) you know me, it's like I finished the last book and I just go to the next book. And I was like, that's silly. I need to read a few like other books in between so that you have time to actually like even get the audiobook like ready to go. (laughs) Because the audiobooks are always longer than... Yeah. Uh, did you read Flame Story? Just on a side note. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. Of course I did. Shawnee. <laughs> Obviously, I read book two and three immediately after reading book one. If you guys would like to hear my reviews of that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance where I'll be talking about books two and three of the Hades Hangman series. You know what, Rich? <laughs> I'm so mad at you because I want to know what happens in Flame's book, but... You're going to have to tell it to me, like a slow story. I will tell you like a slow story on Patreon. Happily. I'm excited. Happily. I'll read you my favorite passages. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Because that's the story I was really interested in. I was like, tell me more, Flame. He's like cutting himself and blood dripping down his own arm. Yes. And then he's very tortured. He's got a love story. Yes. I'm like, definitely got to read it. I do think it was the best of the first three books. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I might skip to that one, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that you'll like the next one as much. 
only because, and I know I said I'm going to talk about it on Patreon, but I'll give you guys a little teaser here. I don't think you're going to like book two as much only because the main character, she is like very brainwashed by the cult and didn't want to leave. So like, whereas like May escaped, the main character in this book escaped on purpose and wanted to leave and like was like wanting to experience the world and wanting to try things, even though she was scared. The main character in the second book about half, well, I don't know, I can be making this up about half the book. I mean, she's like fundamentally brainwashed by this cult and like deeply thinks that she is going to go to hell if she does not go back. And it takes a really long time for her to break free of her brainwashing, which I think is realistic. Like, I think it's a good portrayal and it makes for a very sweet finale and it makes for a really good story. But in terms of it being like a dark romance, like she's very much brainwashed. So (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll like book three better than two, I guess, is the point of my story. Is Kai the next book? Yeah. Okay, cool. But anyways, I think that we should get into this book because this is the one that we are supposed to talk about. Let's get into this book. It Ain't Me, Babe by Tilly Cole. It Ain't Me, Babe by Tilly Cole. Let's get this shit poppin'. Let's get it poppin'. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, everyone, welcome back. So. As you guys know, this is It Ain't Me, Babe by Tilly Cole. It is book number one of the Hades Hangman series. There are eight books in total, along with a couple of supplemental novellas, which some of which go into the past of different bikers' lives, and then some of which go, like, are sort of, like, in the timeline. It is, of course, dark romance. You guys would know we're doing dark romance all season. Dark romance, contemporary dark romance, motorcycle club romance, MC romance. Shani, tell me a little bit about the narrator. What was the audio like? The idea was solid. It was J.F. Harding and Annie Green. And I thought that they did a good job. I don't really remember them too much. So they were good. Didn't distract from the story. Just told it to you. They just told it to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What did you think about the cover art? I'm intrigued about what you think, because obviously we've talked a lot, you guys, on the podcast about how illustrated covers do not really do it for us and also make us think things are going to be light and fun and airy. And I thought this cover gave me a good indication, like with the washed out coloring and the blood red text that like, and he's on a motorcycle, that this was going to be dark. At least that's how I felt. Okay. So two things. One, I like the cover of this. I mean, if a cover could tell you exactly what the book is about, I felt like this kind of (laughs) did. Two, I don't necessarily think this was a dark romance. I agree. I agree. Uh, agree. And I was going to wait a little bit longer, but I'm glad you brought it up right away because <laughs> you, was gonna wait. Uh, you know, I was going to like try and figure out how to tease this into the conversation. But when I think dark romance, I think that between the two main characters, there's going to be darkness. Yes. And this book was very dark, like the cult. And I'm going to read you guys the synopsis in a second, but the cult and like the child rape and imprisonment and like they murdered her sister, like And like they're like abusing them and branding them and all these other things, obviously like trapping them in this cult commune sort of fenced offness so they couldn't escape. And all of that obviously is incredibly dark. But the actual romance was not dark. Yeah, I totally agree. But let me give a little synopsis real quick so people know what we're talking about and then we'll go into the book. So many years ago, there were two children who met through a huge fence, a boy with a severe stutter who could talk only to her, his dad and best friend, 
And a girl, May, a prisoner in a commune where she regularly is horrifically raped by a pedophile prophet and disciples of the cult. After her sister is brutally murdered and left to die, May, then Salome, runs and escapes to the outside world she has never seen. Afraid of everything, she finds herself at River Styx's motorcycle club. He happens to be the boy through the fence. Powerful fists and iron jaw and the skillful use of his treasured German blade has earned River Styx a fearsome reputation as the hangman mute. Will this man be her salvation or drag her to hell? And I have to say he was her salvation, obviously. <laughs> because despite the fact that he is in a motorcycle club and they're all like, at the beginning of the book, you know, he's like fucking whoever he wants to. And they're all talking about bitches this and bitches that and cutting people up and generally just dealing drugs and guns and all sorts of badassness. He meets her and the key's best friend even is like, this can't be the girl you've been like, we thought you made her up because he's been talking about her and obsessed with her since he saw her at like 11 years old and just like thought he'd never, ever find her. Like he tried to find her, couldn't find her. And the only reason he was near the commune is because that's where his dad was dumping a dead body while he was in the car. So he like happened to be near it and then he could never find it again because his dad wouldn't tell him. Yeah. And aside from a few like minor character problems in the sense that he's like... (laughs) aggressively jealous i would say his is major character default for me but everyone has to have a default he can't just be perfect yeah i would definitely agree with you that this book was not a dark romance i think it was a again dark content incredible like a ton of triggers like there's some fucked up shit in this book that happens and that she remembers but the romance itself was actually kind of sweet you think it was sweet Or not sweet. Maybe sweet's the wrong word. It was like hopeful almost in the sense that they both were reaching for someone and that person reached back, which I think (laughs) is kind of a hopeful thing for two people who feel very damaged. First of all, that just sounds really sad. I imagine like two people in the dark. I mean, the book was kind of I thought the book was kind of sad. They touch each other and then they're like, you, you know what? We met. Let's just call it a day. You and me. Let's go. Well, I mean, that's basically what happens at 8 and 11 is like, they're like, let's just call it a day. Like, you're kind of my person. Yes. So that is pretty much all that I got from Salome, May, whatever you want to call her, and Sticks, right? Is it Salome? I just call her Salome. <laughs> Salome. That makes way more <laughs> no, sense. No, Salome. It's, it's very that makes way more sense. <laughs> but i know i know how that goes man there was a word that i had only ever read in historical romance nooks uh, oh sorry in historical romance books for years and i used it out loud in person to my sister and she looked at me and she was like shani that's not what you think i was like huh (laughs) she's like that's not how you say that like oh okay I mean, it brings me back to our Black Dagger Brotherhood days when we could never figure out how to pronounce anyone's names. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. Go with our own goddamn pronunciation. Pronunciation. (laughs) Okay, so Salome and Styx, I did not connect with these characters. And mostly because there was no love story. I agree. This was not a sexy book. No, I didn't think it was a romantic book. I mean, they had some fuckings here and there, but... Where was the romance? If the romance was, she's mine, then there was romance. But honestly, they had nothing in common. I mean, what did they do for each other other than the fact that they met at 8 and 11? And now they are meeting. And oh my God, if I have to hear wolf eyes 
like one more time. Yeah, he did call her wolf eyes a lot. And those wolf eyes. I'm like, oh my God, please. I don't, yeah. I'm like, part A, I don't even know what that means. Part B, also <laughs> they use, like, what did you think about the fact that she used the, even in the internal monologues or in the description part, used the word bitches all the time? Okay, so bitch is like a word that I adopted in my later life. Right. So I used to never curse when I was younger and I would never refer to a woman as like a bitch or a whore or whatever. But in the last like year or two, I've really embraced bitch and I'd be like, bitch. I feel like this is partially my fault. Right? <laughs> I've corrupted. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, please. Because first of all, we get so hyped that there's sometimes I can't describe something without being like, bitch. I know. I know. It's a great word. But full disclosure, I have not read that many motorcycle books. I haven't either. Maybe like one a long time ago. So I'm not like super familiar with the vernacular, but they kept saying bitch. So I'm like, okay, that must be a motorcycle thing. Yeah. But they just kept saying it over and over and over again. And it doesn't bother me. It just bothered me like how repetitive it was. It was the same with wolf eyes. Like I don't need to keep hearing it all the time. So that was my only problem. I did not mind it when they were speaking in like quotations because obviously it's like, again, part of the culture. And so it sets the scene, whatever. That's how they actually refer to women. Fine. But I felt like in his internal monologue, like they could have substituted girl, woman, lady, chick, hottie, whatever, for like some of it. Because I feel like in like when I'm talking, like I might always say dude, but in my mind, I might be like that guy or like may like use her name or something like that. I felt like it was really repetitive. Like it was too much. It was too much bitches for me. Too many bitches. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in this book to me that was repetitive. So I was underwhelmed because... I liked a lot the premise of the story. Mm -hmm. I love the cult angle, the motorcycle club, like even them meeting as little kids, you know, and that sort of thing. So the book started off with like hopefulness in my eyes. And then it like subsequently dropped off. <laughs> First off, writer, I felt way more chemistry for uh, May and Ryder, and I wanted them to be together. I definitely thought there was going to be a turn. And even in her, that was one of the quotes that I picked out because I wanted to talk about it. She says in her mind, for the very first time, this is like maybe, I don't know, a third of the way through the book or maybe 40%. For the very first time, I saw Ryder in a whole new light. He was beautiful. And I was like, oh, shit, are we taking a turn? <laughs> Like, okay, things are going to be happening where she's going to have to choose between the like, I mean, they're both in a motorcycle club and kill people, but like she's going to have to choose between the good, quote unquote, good one and the bad boy one. And she's that's going to have to be like a real choice. But then it never actually manifests as a choice because she never gives Ryder a chance. Well, I think Tilly. OK, I'm mad at Tilly for this because. She set up Ryder to be this kind of sweet person who's helping her out and then very quickly turned him into an incel. Okay. Into a what? And like, <laughs> into an incel. What's that? Involuntary celibate. It's these guys on the internet who blame women that, for not being able to date them or whatever and then end up going crazy on them and attacking them and doing crazy shit to them or bullying them on the internet. They're called incels. I call them a pussy ass bitch. That's why I said. <laughs> I said, yo, you a pussy ass bitch. She wants to be your friend. And you're like, me, me, me. You don't love me. Me, me, me. I can't be your friend. Me, me, me. And I was like, this man is a pab. And like, my thing was, is that she set him up. I felt like she gave him a certain personality and then 
took it away from us. Not in a way that felt justified. Ryder just all of a sudden got real possessive. And not only that, every she said no multiple times. And like even the last time where she'd already said no, he'd already gotten like beaten up and stuff. And he puts his hand out and he's like, come with me. And she's like, it's like, bitch. I know. She, she, she's like, no, I love sticks, you crazy mofo. Yeah. But it seems so out of character and it seems so put on to me, that whole situation. So I will say... Okay, because we find out at the end of the book that he's actually Cain and he's the heir to the entire cult. And he's been embedded as because they're trying to take over all of the gun traffic and drug traffic. And so he's been embedded with them, feeding them information this whole last five years. And so that's the reason why he doesn't sleep with anyone, because I don't know if they talk about that in this book, but it's part of his religion that he has to be pure until he becomes like the anointed cult leader or whatever. Yeah. Which is funny because they're looking for a rat and they don't suspect the one dude in their whole crew. But he's been there five years. Like, that's a long time. You know what I mean? It's not like he's been there a year. It's like five years is a long ass time, Shani. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. I mean, five years ago, like, I didn't have children. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? A lot. It's like a lot of things happened in five Bridget, years. Bridget, we could have been living our we best, life, been living right our best life five years ago. <laughs> and also, the way he is with her actually makes sense, too. When, in like, because if you think about the fact, like, if you think back now on his actions and put it in the perspective of he was raised in a cult that does not value women, that treats them as a property. So he thinks, oh, but, and he knows that she's supposed to be with the cult leader. So he knows that she is supposed to be with him and or the cult. So like in his mind, it's his right to her and her body. And the fact that she doesn't want to come, he's like, what are you talking about? We're perfect together. You should be with me. Like, he's a bad guy. He's going to hell because he's not part of a cult because he isn't in our religion. And I want to save you. You know what I mean? So, like, he's a nut job. He's a fucking nut job. And <laughs> he only gets nuttier in books two and three. Although he starts to, in book three, starts to swing back and realize his cult is crazier than he thought it was. I wish that he wasn't the nut job, though. I wish he wasn't in the cult, though, for real. Although I see why she did it, because it, it plays out over multiple books. But also, like, I liked Ryder at the beginning. Yes, I liked Ryder. And I wanted her to be with Ryder, not the other dude. Okay, I'm going to take a big pivot here, because this is... I put this in, in like, big, bold letters in my notes. Oh, I know what it's going to be. Don't you jump the gun. I'm going to say did. this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see if I'm right, though, in my mind. This is my biggest problem with this motherfucking book may left her sisters in a fucking cult and never tried to go back for them she just went on to live her happy life in the motorcycle gang and never talked about going back for them at all <laughs> well she did ask him and he said i've been looking for you my whole life and i could never find it i'm sorry i don't i can't find you i don't know where they are she asks him about it but she doesn't push to go find her sister. She knows exactly what they're going through. Bridget, are you going to tell me, right? You know your sister's in a cult where some shit is happening to her and she's dead in the motherfucking eyes. And you make it out to paradise and you're going to go lounge at the beach and have a party? Like, knowing that your sisters are still stuck somewhere? Like, not a chance in motherfucking hell. Not a chance. This is not a chance. 
So probably not. However, I was raised (laughs) in the world, like trying to put myself into her shoes. Her one sister didn't want to come. She knows that they can't be found. She has no idea where she escaped from. She's like afraid for her life that if she like leaves the house, they'll somehow find her, even though she's hours and hours away. He tells her like, I tried to find you and that commune forever and I never could. And they have like extensive resources and stuff. So I can see where in her mind, as someone who doesn't understand the world or that there's other avenues to explore, that she's like, I'll never find them. You know what I mean? Mm. Because she's never even like seen a phone, Shawnee. Like she doesn't know anything about anything. She doesn't even know about like Coca-Cola. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I will say that in subsequent books, because they do. Okay, so she does get kidnapped and taken back and put with her sisters and then he goes because now he knows who to like track down and who's involved and so he goes and brings the pain and they find the commune and he calls in like the mcs from the entire nation and is like we're going to war everyone get ready and they all come and they attack the commune and kill all the elders that they could find and they kill the main guy and I, that part I liked, though, when she, like, pointed at him and he was like, that one? And he was like, snipe him. And I was like, no questions <laughs> asked. That's what I like out of my characters in this scenario. In real life, I'd be concerned if someone was, like, just killing people on my whim. But in this scenario, if I tell you to kill somebody, I don't want to hear no lip about it. I don't want you to be like, which one? <laughs> don't ask questions. I want you to just fucking <laughs> kill the fools I point at. Pop that uh... one. Pop that one. Pop that one. And then they go and rescue the sisters and he comes back and like obviously saves everyone. I like the massacre at the end. I thought it was a good scene. I thought when the sister saw the guy dead and came back and was really happy with Flame. Like I thought that was cute. <laughs> as, cu- as cute as that scene can be. I actually really enjoyed that. Them storming the compound or whatever. In my mind, I was like, I don't know if they're outnumbered or not, but I'm just going to imagine that they're really badasses at this shit. So I gave it to him. No, they outnumbered the cult people. They said that. Oh, okay. I thought the cult people outnumbered them. Okay, so I had it the way around. Okay, but there's so many things in this book that made me laugh so hard, and I don't know where to start. So aside from the cult leaders, so one-dimensional Lois. So stick exactly. You see who? Oh, well, you said one-dimensional Lois, and are you talking about the woman that he was having sex with at the beginning, or like getting blowjobs with at the beginning? That he was having sex with who didn't who didn't matter so much to the story that they blew her head off very quickly. (laughs) So they just got rid of her. (laughs) Yeah, she got murdered real quick. We don't want to have no rival in place. Can't have two rivals on both sides, Shawnee. Let's kill one. Also, I think it was like also like her way of showing that there are stakes in this world and that it's not just like, oh, someone might get injured. It's like people are dying in these conflicts, I think. Yeah. And then Styx killed a like... 10 neo-Nazis single-handedly. Yep. The hangman mute just went, I, you know why I didn't mind that scene, Johnny? Is because he almost died. So, like, I don't like <laughs> when people go in. Like, this is a criticism for action movies, too. And there's, like, a million bad guys with Uzis and, the, and like, no one gets actually hit with a bullet. And I'm like, let's be realistic. A little bit. Not a lot, because I like my action movies with a little bit of cray, but a little bit of realism is sometimes nice. But in this, like, he almost dies. And the only reason he survives is because they didn't check him for, like, a second 
hidden dagger and he, that's why he killed them. But they like torture him and carve a swastika in him before he does that. So it's not like he just like casually killed eight people and just like was totes fine. Like <laughs> he casually killed six people with the element of surprise and then got tortured, a swastika and narrowly escaped with his life. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> okay. Explain to me why Ryder did not kill Styx when he stole May back. Towards the end, you mean? Towards the end, yes. So he hung him up on a fence and they like tortured him a bit, but then he let him live knowing that Styx is a stubborn motherfucker. And we'll come back. I cannot answer that for you. I guess I had two thoughts about it. One was that Ryder has been living with him for five years and actually like respects and likes him. As much as he thinks he's like the devil and going to hell, he also like respects his code. And like he kind of fell in love with that life of their sort of like immoral morality. That was my first thought. And my second thought was that he knew May would never forgive him if she if he killed six and he desperately wants her to love him okay okay okay. (laughs) the second one i might buy a little bit more (laughs) but okay okay those are reasonable i love how this is just like me debunking your problems with this book (laughs) loving this episode so much so fun okay so the other thing okay so i sat down and i was like okay shani like this book feels like it has all the things in place, but it almost feels like things are just in the wrong place or there's just not enough of things. Right. So like one of the other things that I qual- quantified when I was sitting with myself, I was like, why don't I like this book? I think it's because in my alpha males, even if they're like hotheads and they want to fight and do that sort of thing, there's a certain amount of intelligence that they have. Right. I respect them and I think they're smart, even if they are letting their temper get the best of them sometimes or that sort of thing. But I more enjoy my hotheads that can be controlled, like that controlled seething. Yeah, he was not a control. He was definitely a fire and brimstone. He was not a like cold as ice, like let me control the situation. Exactly. And the one thing I think that really turned me off in the book, and I, it has nothing actually to do with the girl at all. It's that I think it was Kai found the cell phone in one of the brother's rooms and said that he was a snitch. And then they carved him up real fast and killed him. He didn't talk. They didn't ask him hardly no questions or whatever. He was just gone. And then you find out later that Ryder was the rat. And don't really hear anything about how they accidentally killed the wrong dude. <laughs> you know what? They ain't got time for apologies. They were fighting a war, Shani. Also, they are bad dudes. So they're just like, what ifs? Moving on. Let's get some new recruits. Casual murdering. I mean, keep in mind that this is the MC that has flame in its group. And he is literally cutting himself and making himself bleed the whole book. And he literally says, I need to go murder people. Like, let me loose multiple times. And they're like, don't worry, Flame. And like, when people see him coming, they start running because they're so scared because he loves killing people. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, I think they're just not good people. It's like a good place to start from with like, they killed someone on accident. And they're like, well, it's a casualty of war. They really put it on Ryder, frankly. They were like, this is Ryder's fault for framing that guy. <laughs> Not our fault for being duped. I'll be. Wash our hands of we it. We wash our hands of the sin. <laughs> I pass it to you. 
Okay. Another question, Bridget. <laughs> How do you feel about the author skipping ahead a month? So she gets found and then they're like, oh, wolf eyes. And then they skip ahead a month. I didn't really mind. I mean, so many authors in romance do epilogues and shit that are like set multiple years or months or whatever ahead. So I was actually kind of used to it. I feel like I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, of course they skipped ahead because they always do. They always skip like the really hard part right after everyone gets together. You know what I mean? They always like gloss right over that to two months in advance. No, no. At the beginning. Oh, I'm talking about the beginning of the book when she gets together with sticks. Oh, there's like a time jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he leaves her for a month while she's healing. Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. Frankly, I didn't care. I thought it was fine because honestly, she was so injured that if they had like picked up right from there, it would have just been like her gimping around. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, she's sleeping again today. Oh, she's fucking sleeping again today. Like she had like, you know what I mean? Like she's like malnourished and a savage dog bite on her leg. Like was barely like almost bled to death. They give her multiple pints of blood like that bitch ain't going nowhere for at least a week or two. So I was actually fine with it. It kind of explained the fact that when he came back, she could like walk around and talk to him and do things. Yes. It didn't let him be the one to nurse her or him be the one to explain the world to her or him be the one to like have her blossom. Yes. And also like when he comes back, I feel like she's given up the cult life, as you will. She's more accepting of what's happening to her. Also, like, sex and stuff. So, like, you're talking about with the second book, where the girl's more traumatized and she wants to be in the cult. I expected a little bit more of that from this character, May, as well. Well, she did have the scene where she, like, apologized to him by assuming the rape position of her cult. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, well, I displeased you and I don't want you to force me to leave because I don't have anywhere to go, basically. And he's like, you don't have to do that here. What happened to you? And then she explains, that was one of the things, like, what did he say? In his mind, after she tells him what happened, he, like, is so shocked. And he also already has a horrible speech impediment. And so he like literally can't get any words out about it after she tells him. And my hands gripped May around her waist and I shook in anger. A 30-year-old man fucked an eight-year-old chick with some bear trap contraption prying her innocent pussy open. Sick motherfucker. What kind of pervert does that shit to a kid? Sick motherfuckers, a lot of them. And then he like stutters and says, babe, you telling me you were raped at age eight? I bit out. And she says yes, and he, like, loses it and leaves the room. And I actually was kind of unhappy for May because, obviously, like, she's like, I told you something very personal, and then you just, like, made me feel shameful about it, made me feel like it was my fault. But really, he's, like, about to, like, lose it and just murder everyone. And he doesn't. Like, I thought she did a good job of the frustration of him trying to, like, get things out and just, like, not being able to and that, like, bursting out in violent ways and other ways. And I also thought, like, frankly, if someone told me that, I don't think that I would, like, handle it well. And certainly not if it was someone that I loved or I wouldn't be like, talk to me about your, like, okay, well, that's, you know, I think I would be like, and in my brain would, that sound would be going on in my brain. Like, I'm going to go murder all these people. I'm going to just go commit murder. You're not wrong. I was talking to a friend of mine who does social work because I'm interested in like fostering eventually. And so I was like, oh, I had some questions or whatever. So she was like explaining some stuff about it to me and whatever. And she said the hardest 
thing you're going to encounter is the kids who are like sexualized. As soon as she said it, like I could picture it in my mind because I remember going to a like a bounce house with my niece who's like three. And there was this older girl who kept like taking her around and my niece was following her, whatever. But that girl was follow really following me. She would stay really close to me. She would come hold on to my arm, hug on to me, like lounge her body onto the side of me. And she must have been like 11 or 12. And I'm highly uncomfortable, <laughs> like, like pushing her off. Yeah. You don't like to be touched anyways, <laughs> let alone by people you don't know or small children you don't know. <laughs> But it was so sexual in nature, the way she was holding me. And in my mind, I was like, holy hell, what's going on Like in her home? So I was talking to my friend and I, was, and I told her this and she was like, and I said that, I was like, I was like, holy hell, what's going on in her home? She's like, sex. Sex is going on in her home. That's exactly what's going on in her home. She's like, that's how the kids behave when that's going on in their home. And I was just like, she was like, day one, like, that's the thing that'll get you. And I was just like, dang, I can't even fathom. She's like, when you, it's like three and four year old, she's like, you don't know where to put that in your brain. So you just smoke some weed and fucking like veg out. Yeah. My first note on this book was pedophile cult raping little girls with bear traps. People are disgusting. I mean, it's literally like to me unfathomable and like, thank heavens, thank heavens that it is unfathomable to me. You know what I mean? Because obviously the idea that it is fathomable is not obviously a thought I ever want to have. But when I was reading this, because they talked about one of the girls was like six and like my kid's only three. And I was like, she's so tiny. Like I cannot imagine like the harm physically to the organs, just let alone the emotional trauma, let alone the psychological, the like, let alone all of those things, which are huge. Like physically, children are just not built for that. They are not big enough. They are not strong enough. I'm like grown the way she describes it. And then when she asks Ryder, have you ever been a part of a, sh did that happen in this book? That she asked Ryder if she he's ever been a part of a brother sister sharing. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so she explains it to him and he like doesn't believe her. And I was like, you pussy ass bitch, not even believing her. <laughs> Fuck you, bro. You saw the scars on her. Where do you think she got all those fucking scars? Why do you think she ran away from your cult talking about how she was raped as a child? You know what? Like, you little bitch, you little brainwashed ass bitch, especially since he'd been in the real world for five years. And I was like, you know, people get raped like you've been in the world five years. But I, I suppose if you were brainwashed as a child that your cult religion is like the religion. Well, I guess that's why I have a bit of an issue with how quickly she kind of acclimates to the motorcycle club. Because like I didn't grow up in a cult, but I grew up in a highly religious home that I don't know. I think Calvary Chapel is a cult allegedly. But it took so many years to like deprogram. And every day I feel like it's still a choice. There's certain things where I have to like choose to not regress to you know that programming right and it's probably not until about now in my life where i feel very confident about like okay the th decisions i've made and the things i want to believe and the things i think are bullshit and so the fact it's like they skip a month and then after that month i feel like she's just kind of on board i know there's a thing here or there yeah because she never like goes anywhere so she's like, in my mind, she's like, understands the rules of this tiny world, but doesn't understand anything about the outside world still, if that makes sense. So do you think she just went from one cult to the, another cult? Basically, or like one cult to like another group that has a very, very set culture of like what's allowed, what's not allowed, 
where the women, I mean, like, again, like she went to a place where women are very much like secondary and expected to like be like the old lady of the guy. They don't get to go to the meetings. So for her, it almost probably felt like not comfortable, but like, yeah, not like comfortable, (laughs) but like for her, she's not like chafing at, oh, you're telling me that I'm not allowed to know what's going on because she's just like, okay, that's normal for her. She never knows what the fuck's going on. So, (laughs) yeah, I I didn't really have a problem with that. I also think like she does for the each of the three. I only read three of the books, but the next book, like I said, she's very much like brainwashed still. And it takes her a really, really long time to like in her own mind, push past it. And you find out more about the cult, like she cooks dinner for her main dude and some of the other guys and they ask her to like oh yeah come grab a plate and she's like you're letting me eat with you and he's like if you cook you eat like with us like that's how it is and she like cries and she's like thank you no like i've never been allowed to eat before like i always eat later like in my room or whatever and like he tells her to try coffee and she takes a sip even though she doesn't want to And he's like, if you don't want to take a sip, just say, fuck you. I'm not taking a sip. You don't have to do what I say. Like, you get to decide. And then the next girl who's with Flame, like, she doesn't even come out for, like, all of book two. Like, she can't leave her room. She's too afraid. Like, she stands and stares out the window at everyone, but she's too afraid to even go outside the room. So they bring her the food and, like, she never leaves the room. And it takes her months of time to actually even step outside the room. And then the only reason that she really leaves is because Flame needs her and he saved her. And so she's like, I can be brave for this one thing to like repay this thing to him. And then after that, she basically doesn't leave their house. (laughs) She doesn't. (laughs) Because obviously they get together because it is, I mean, they are romance novels. So there are a couple main couples in each one. But after they get together, like, she doesn't leave their house, basically. Like, she's just with him now in that house. You know what I mean? She occasionally, very occasionally will leave for short amounts of time. But that's it. And the second one, they end up not living at the house with everyone else. He buys her, like, it's on the same, like, huge property that the MC owns. But he, get like, builds her a cabin, where she can have like some space around her and she is because she's very uncomfortable around all the people and she's very uncomfortable around like all the promiscuous sex and the drug use and the drinking and all this other stuff. And so he builds her like a cabin that they can live in away from like still with the club because they're like on club grounds, but away. So it's like each one has their own very separate response to the trauma, I guess. So in that sense, but I also read books two and three. So I think if I had only read book one, I would have been like, she does get over this cult thing real fast. But again, she is the one who cho- like decided, like, I can't take it anymore. There has to be more out there and I'm going to go find it and like seize it. Yeah. I do like that that is her character where she's like, well, fuck this. If they killed my sister, then I don't believe whatever is happening. So I like that she has at least like that gumption or whatever. And You know, it's actually really funny because in BDSM or in my journeys through BDSM, I have met three different women who used to belong to cults and are now submissives. And it is interesting. I was thinking that when I was reading this book, because she does go from the cult, I think, one cult to another cult. 
And so I wonder if there's something to that, right? If you're raised in such a way where everything is super, super controlled, it's kind of like jail. You know how there's some people who get out of jail and they don't know how to function. They want to go back to jail (laughs) or whatever. So like, I wonder if there is something to that, not like a broad brush that everybody who grows up in a cult wants to go back, but that there's certain personalities or certain people who feel more comfortable having the confines of rules and strict rules. Because I've never met anybody in the cult until I got into BDSM that I know. Now I know three people in a cult. I mean, I have never met anyone that I know of that was willing to tell me so. Who knows if I have or not? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I think in general, you sort of gravitate towards what you grew up with or you like. I mean, and this is like such a general broad stroke, but I feel like you either gravitate towards that same sort of life. So like, let's say you grew up in a house where everyone plays sports and everyone is doing like activities and like involved in things. Then like generally as an adult, you're like going to be in a family where that's kind of the norm, you know, or if you're in like a house where everyone reads books, then you're going to grow up and be a house where everyone reads books or whatever the case may be. If you're in a very, very strict house, like you're either going to have a very, very strict house or very, very lax house. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's obviously general. Like, of course, there's people who break the mold, but I could see it. I could see it. I think also, I mean, in this instance, again, like to go from that one extreme where you're being raped all the time, but you're being told that it's like you never even heard the word rape. Don't even know what that concept is. You're being told that this is part of your religion and that you're helping them reach God and that this is part of the way that will your soul will be saved and you're going to heaven. And then to leave that and realize it's bullshit and that they are horrible people and then to come to the real world but she never goes to the real world it's not like she goes somewhere and then finds him later she goes straight there so to be dropped into a place where everything that they're doing you have been told is going to send you to the devil like they're drinking they're promiscuous they're killing they're doing all these things and yet you're being treated with safety and no one rapes her, takes advantage of her. In fact, when she like offers this brother sister sharing or whatever they call it, like he's like, yo, that's fucking creepy. Like that's rape. You know, that's bad. Right. And I would personally latch right onto that safety. I'm sure I'd be like, "Woo, this is a sweet ass life. Y'all going to hell. However, you're also not raping me constantly. And so I find you to be the perfect place for me. <laughs> and if I was her, it's like, where else is she going to go? She doesn't even have like identification. She's not even like a citizen of America because she's born in this cult and they never register her. Like she doesn't even have a last name. Like she has no money. She has no skills. She has no job abilities or prospects. And they actually like give her a job in like the little shop. And so she starts to like learn how to do things and be a part of the world but like what else is she gonna do what do people who escape cults do is like there's got to be some sort of support group infrastructure of people who've escaped and survived and whatnot i suppose but anyways it didn't bother me i guess is to the roundabout way to say that like i just treated this as fiction and i was like okay <laughs> yeah you want to hear the thing i was most upset about shawnee in this entire book yes that they fucked in a bathtub <laughs> that's the thing i was most mad about in this whole book he's like let me make you feel good this is the first time we're having sex and then he just has sex with her and he doesn't even dry her off and put her in the bed i was like you wrong for that you wrong for that river the- you wrong for that <laughs> <I'm at> you. <laughs> okay so i have 
one last question. It is about this book, but it's also about any book in general, right? So how do you feel when there's clearly like another a love interest, another woman that they're putting in to create like a rift between the main couple? Like whom? So Lois to May and Sticks. I don't care. You know why? Because in this instance, she was described and clearly like a fuck buddy. And so I didn't care because he doesn't care about her. And so in my mind, she's not really a impediment to the story. All that she is there to, to show is that he's not celibate and then he just is willing to fuck anything until he meets the right person. That's all she's there for is to show that he's a bad boy who'll stick his dick in whatever. So then you also have like a notebook instance where he's sleeping with this woman because he thinks Allie will never come back. But she has like real feelings for him and he has much more respect for her, but like never will love her like that. So then you have that it's like the middle ground. And then you have the one where she's clearly so they're like in a relationship and this is the girlfriend and he's going to leave her for this new person. That one I think is much trickier to pull off because you have to like the easiest way, obviously, is to be like she cheated or she did something horrible. But I think in real life, most of the time, it's just like someone has grown apart or they're moving. <laughs> like, how often have you seen that happen between yourself or your friends where it's just like it's just not the right timing? Like you might be the right person. And in five years, you could have been the right person to marry or whatever. But like for whatever timing reason, like it's just not going to happen or whatever, like, life stage reason. So I think that's much trickier to pull off in movies and TV. But in this instance, I was just like, that's fine. She's just a plot device. And, like, she is one-dimensional, but I would have been madder if she had stayed in the whole book and she was always there, like, nagging through the story. No, instead they just shot her in the head. (laughs) Yeah, instead she's just like, I wish it could have been me. Like, what's left for me? And then she dies. Wait, I just want to say this because so many books use this thing where the guy goes back to the woman. So he goes to Lois and then she's going to give him a blowjob. But then he's like, no, 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 no. You don't get points for like getting almost all the way there and then being like, no, 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 no. I don't like that shit. Okay, just Put your dick in the mouth, enjoy the process, and then come back from that shit later. But, like, this whole thing about, like, I just couldn't. I loved somebody so, so much, I just couldn't. I would have respected that scene more if he had just fucked Lois. Why? <laughs> because every book does that. Oh. Oh, I see why you're mad. You're not mad because he didn't have sex with Lois. You're mad because authors use it as a plot device. Okay. (laughs) I was like, why would you be mad at that? It's like, it just drives me crazy. Either say no up front, like, or whatever, or like, don't get all the way to the edge or whatever. And then it's like, no, no, no. And oh my God, she walked in. Don't get like all the way to the point where she's like naked and on her knees. And then you're like, but I wasn't going to do it. And it's like, okay, well, you don't have a lot of credibility right now. (laughs) Then to me, that's like a pussy move. That's not my favorite thing. But there's certain things in there that I just want people to commit to. Like there was a like a neo-Nazi on the team or whatever. And they were like, he's not a Nazi anymore. He likes anybody who respects him. And I was like, that is the weirdest line. Well, you find out that he fell in love with a cartel princess. And so he has to rethink all of his Nazi beliefs. They have a book later, which I did not read. I did not read yet, but... But the reason that he ends up leaving the Aryan race, and even though he's like the heir to the clan in all of Texas, is because he falls in love with the cartel princess. And he realizes that he's a hypocrite because if he can love her, then what the hell has he been doing? 
I mean, I don't know what happens in their story. I mean, they have there's more to the story, but that's as far as I know about their story. That's what happens. You're telling me there is a Mexican princesa neo-Nazi love story. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, shit. Yes, there is. Oh, Johnny. Shit. Yes, there is. And in fact, it is called <laughs> Darkness Embraced. Darkness Embraced. Adelita Darkness. is the, the cartel princess. Uh, yeah. dang. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dilly Call. Hold on. I'm just now reading through. So his sister, you meet a character in the next book, and then she has been hidden away from the MC. And I'm not going to tell you a lot. You guys can come to Patreon and listen to my review. But I will tell you that she is vibing with two of the Hades hangmen. And someone points it out. Hey, you're vibing with both those guys. And she's like, don't I know it? And they're like, they both are interested. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, oh, yes, you do know. And it turns out that they're supposed to protect her in their book, which is book number six, called Crux Untamed. And scarred by events from his past and a secret that plagues him in everyday life, Hush refuses to let anyone get close. Only Cowboy knows the real him until a certain sister of the club's VP begins to slowly knock down his defenses, shattering the heavily built walls that guard his damaged soul with his best friend leading the charge. A newly mended three. So I wasn't going to read any more because I will tell you that number four the reason I didn't read book number four is because it's about Kane slash writer. And I was like, you know what? He does some real dick moves also in books two and three. And I was like, you're basic. And I don't want to read about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to read it. Even though the reviews are very much like hated it, loved it. So like there's no middle ground. It's like I'm either going to hate it or love it. And I was like, eh, I'm just not going to read it. And then the next one is about... AK, who I do like AK a little bit, but I'm like, it's about another cult girl and him. And I'm like, eh, no, 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 but, but now that I know that there's going to be a threesome, I think I will skip books four and five and I will read book six. And you will also hear about that on Patreon. I will circle back and let you know how the threesome goes. I don't know if it's a thruple or if it's a threesome. Sounds like it might be a thruple, but I'll keep you guys posted on Patreon. So I will wait until Patreon to tell you all about book six and whether it is a threesome or a thruple. And on that note, let's take a break. Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. And we're back. Back. All right, Bridget. What did you think? Of our heroine. Shawnee, I gave her five stars. Here's why. You did not shut your motherfucking mouth, but you did not give her five stars. Here's the reason. One is I read this book multiple weeks ago, but I'm also giving her five stars. It might have been four or something, but it's five now because I put it on the paper and this is what it is. (laughs) I thought she had gumption. She left the cult. She had courage. She was like, I'm the fuck out of here. It's not her fault that everyone she loves has issues. (laughs) Or though that her new best friend writer has some uh, pab tendencies, okay? Uh, like she's doing the best she can. She has overcome insurmountable odds. She's not actually like a huge pushover. Like when he comes back 
after his little snafu with Lois or and after and also the second time after or like after the time when he kind of like storms out after she tells him about how she was raped. She's like, no, I'm not going with you. Like you hurt my feelings. I'm not doing this like you need to do better. So she's not actually like a pushover. I do think to your point about the cult, like, okay, perhaps it's like not realistic, but I don't care. It's fiction. And so this is the character that I was given and I'm fine with her character. And when she gets back to the cult after being kidnapped, she doesn't act like a little bitch. She's like, okay, guys, we're going to do this together and I'm going to take care of you and we're going to weather this storm. And when her man comes with his army of motorcycle people, she's like fucking pointing out hits left and right. She's like, the only stupid thing she does is let her old best friend Ryder go, which comes back to haunt her (laughs) in later books. But aside from that, I probably should have knocked off a star just for that because it was a stupid decision. But aside from that, I liked her. I gave her five stars. I liked her. I also feel like I like her in the next books, which may have influenced my rating of this book. Like, had I actually done my ratings after this book the way I'm supposed to, this might have been a four. But I do like her in the next books as well. She really takes care of her sisters and she like grows as a character and like becomes the old lady and blah, blah, blah. So she gets five stars. Doing it, Shani. I know you're doing it, but I do not agree. But since those are your stars. Clearly this entire episode has been you... <laughs> and me me like explaining this book to you so i'm I feel not like my surprised grandmother <laughs> people can't see us but oh you know what i didn't even talk about yet shawnee though what which also i feel like upped my ratings is i love sons of anarchy did you ever watch that tv show oh my motherfucking god johnny we are immediately after this going to watch an episode hopefully it's streaming somewhere <laughs> shawnee Charlie Hunnam. Do you know who Charlie Hunnam is, the actor? No. Google his face real fast. (laughs) Charlie Hunnam, Sons of Anarchy. Just treat yourself to a quick peek of the smoke show that is Charlie Hunnam on Sons of Anarchy. And just like cash scroll through some of the images of his back, his chest. (laughs) Listen, from the neck down, I will give you that. I will give you this man from the neck down. You don't like his face? No. Who? Oh, we're not friends anymore. We're breaking up. And there's only like two blondes that I love. And what is Brad Pitt? One of your partners is blonde, you hypocrite. <laughs> this friend- That's the other one. Your friendship is over. <laughs> this friendship is <laughs> over. <laughs> anyway. Is this the episode that's going to take this us is out? This is it. No. You know, I don't care. You can have your own opinion. Anyway, so I watched the show for, I think, like seven, seven seasons or whatever. And this book brought back so much nostalgia. Because all of the terminology is the same. Like, she clearly did her research because all the terminology is the same. So I got so much, like, out of it just, like, being like, oh, she's going to be the old lady. Like, (laughs) and in my mind, like, River, even though he's described very differently, is Jax. In my mind, like, the way he looks and talks and acts, even though Jax did not have a speech impediment and was not mute, I feel like that really affected the way I read this book, is that I already knew this, the world from that show. And I also, and they also do, like, they have tons of dealings with, like, the Aryan nations and, like, the cartels and the gangs of different races and stuff like that. I did find one picture where he is remarkably tan and chiseled and they got the lighting just right does he have like a necklace hanging on his chest he's got a necklace on yes and in this picture he does look a truly scrumptious 
Shawnee, after this, I'm going to share some videos of him fucking on that show. His back and his ass. Anyone who watched this show, you know what I'm talking about. As soon as we finish with this podcast, him fucking on this show is some of the best things of my life. My young, young life. When did this show start? Sons of Anarchy. I want to say it's, I don't think, I mean, I don't know if I was that young, but... I was not that old when it started. Yeah, 2008. How old was I in 2008? 20? So here's my thing. Motorcycle clubs, I've only read like one book maybe a long time ago. I don't know all the terminology, but I, I mean, context clues. I got that there was stuff that was the culture of what it was. And I tried to accept that because I it was like a variable I couldn't control. This is what motorcycle clubs are. But I have to tell you, because I'm brown, Bridget. I don't know if you noticed, but... <laughs> <laughs> never saw it before. I never noticed. Never, never. I, <laughs> I'm colorblind. Colorblind. <laughs> Legitimately. No, Not like the fake people who don't see color. I literally can't see any color. I see only in grayscale. You're more gray. More gray. I, I lean towards... Lean towards darker gray. <laughs> but I would be performing in various different bands, but in most of the bands I was in, there it was like all white folks. Right. There might have been like there was a black girl in one band or whatever. But for the most part, the majority white men. Yep. I distinctly remember this one time showing up for a show and I was in. Let me, I don't know if I can describe this for you, but what amounted to a bedazzled leotard, <laughs> like one piece, like a bathing suit, like yeah. a one piece bathing suit looking leotard. Yeah. With green cheetah tights on and a tool train that dragged on the floor. Right. And my Afro puff glitter on my face and like red lips and the big... definition of extra. That's what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, like five inch <laughs> on stage heels, extra. <laughs> right. So I'm all perform. I'm ready for our performance. Right. And they give me the address and I show up to a biker bar. OK, I am the only melanin in that place for miles and miles. Bridget. I was like, I grabbed my friend. I was like, you idiot. If you want to have me show up to a place like this, you need to tell me where the hell I'm going. Like, I walked in there and it was just like every eye just turned. And I was like, oh, we also need a carpool. I would wear a much more muted outfit. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the night I die. This is this how I go. Is this, is this where I that was not fun. I had to have a, some stern talks that night. But <laughs> I do have a picture of it. And my face looks exactly how you think it does. <laughs> Ah, the wide-eyed panic the wide-eyed panic smile okay well shawnee what did you give our heroine i gave homegirl a two okay she gained a point okay i was gonna give her a one okay i was gonna give her a one because she left her sisters behind and she wasn't too eager to go find them okay sisters before misters okay i like that she had gumption and she gained a point for me by pointing out that fool at the end and being like snipe him Yes, for sure. (laughs) So I like that she grew through the book, you know? I did think that she got there a little fast or whatever. And I do think it's a little bit of a cheat to skip the time like the author did in the beginning of the book like that. But whatever, that is what it is. 
But I didn't feel like there was much to her. I thought there could have been more gumption. I thought that there could have been more between her and Styx. I wanted more romance between them. I definitely agree with the wanting more romance. 100%. It was like, I did not know why they were together other than the fact that they met when they were little kids and she had wolf eyes. Obviously, they were soulmates, Shawnee. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yes, there were sparkles. There were sparkles in the air or whatever. But he was like dropping, he was like, I'm gonna drop, I'm gonna drop my girl on the side. I'm dropping everything for her, right? And there was actually a point in the book that was kind of realistic in the very beginning where when he met her and he saw she had the wolf eyes or whatever, and she freaked out about something right away. And it was the first like real moment where he realized like, oh, she's a traumatized person and this might be more than I bargained for. Yeah. And I was like, go with that thought, my dude, go with that thought. But then that was it. That was just that one moment. And then it just seemed like everything else kind of worked out from there. And I guess I wanted to see a little bit more of that snafu. Them working together. And then them working together and communicating through some of those things. I will say that books two and three are significantly more romance novel front and center. They are very much about the romance. A lot of other things happen, of course, but they are more centralized and the main characters do. This book is interesting because I didn't like this book, right? As as an overall, I didn't like this book. However... I do want to read the next two. I know. I know. I hear you. Most of the time, if I don't like the book, I'm like, burn them all to the ground. I don't want to. But Flame had me intrigued. And to get to Flame, I might as well read Kai. Might as well read it. It's actually, I like book two. I like book two. I think probably of the three, I would say this might be the weakest of the three, first three. Mm, Maybe this one's sort of on par with the second book, though, because the second book, I think, has a better romance. But also, again, like, she's so brainwashed. I was like, look, I know. I know you're brainwashed. I know that that's a fact. And also, get your shit together, lady. These people are bad. You don't want to go back there. They're bad people. (laughs) They're bad people. I agree. I'm going to give it a read. Okay, what did you think about our hero? McHothead? I gave him a two as well. Oh, McHothead. That's good. I mean, I thought he was, for me, he was too dumb. And that... He was like all bronze, no brains for me. And I need the brains. I needed the brains. The fact that they killed the wrong snitch. Yeah. He was flying. He was flying by the seat of his pants. Honestly, like it reminded me so much of Jack's teller because they just like make so many mistakes. And they're just like they're in over their head and they're just trying to swim. Like that's basically yeah. Jack's teller in a nutshell. Again, I gave him a four. The nostalgia Shawnee. The nostalgia was real. Now I gotta watch that show. And I did like him. Again, like, I feel like he probably earned a little bit more. He probably would have been a three if I had rated this before I read the other two books. But just like everyone else, like, he grows as a character and he's, like, in the other books, too. I definitely don't like the chest beating. Stay away from my woman. Like, she already said no to the guy. Like, just be like, hey, respect her no, bro. (laughs) Like, (laughs) back off. But he, like, beats the guy up like, I feel unnecessarily. Yeah. I like the alpha male, like, she's mine, that type of thing, right? That's part of my kink. So I li- I actually really enjoy that. However, it just seemed to happen, like, so many times, and, like, it was redundant. Yeah. It's because Ryder was a pussy-ass bitch. She was trying to, like, come up in his... And I was like, Ryder, stop being an idiot. This man's going to murder you. Yeah, like, I don't know. I couldn't quite figure out why it kept happening. Yeah. But I do love a man who's willing to, like, give a bullet in fiction, of course, and move Helen high water to save her and her sisters and was just, like, just giving out hits like it ain't no thing for her. He was like, you want that man dead? He's dead. You want that man dead? He's dead. You want that man dead? He's dead. 
Like, he's just, they got there and he's just like, kill all the men. Like, keep the women and children alive. Kill everyone else. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that is the hellfire and brimstone. A cult of pedophiles deserves. Murder everyone except for the women and children. You know what's funny is that like, so the cult has all these prophecies about what's about to happen. Yeah. And when everybody gets murdered, it doesn't clue them into the fact that these prophecies did not. not work out. <laughs> Yes, I agree. In the second and third books, they talk about a little bit about that because they like move the cult to another location. And basically they like don't tell people what happened officially. So they know that the like main prophet died, but I think they don't tell them that it's because or they don't tell most people that he was murdered. And they tell them that the commune like closed and that they're bringing all the different communes together into like one major compound. But they don't really tell them... I don't think they really tell the people like what happened, except for like the ruling council. <laughs> and then, of course, Ryder's in for like a rude surprise when he realizes that like everyone except for him knows that they're like raping small children and stuff like that. <laughs> the odd man now. He's like, wait a minute, that's true. Like the fuck is going on here? I will give McHothead his one point because he did kill all those people. Yeah. However, he, there's one line in the book where he basically is like, yo, I'm about to eat that pussy. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good line. Yeah. Yes. Just, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Go get it. Go and get it, son. <laughs> you know what's weird is because it wasn't a romance and there wasn't a ton of like sexual tension built up. Like I felt like their sex scenes were good, but they weren't like sexy in the sense that I wasn't invested in them fucking. And I definitely feel like I was certainly more invested in like the future books. I literally was thinking about Flame the entire book. Once she went to see him and he was cutting himself up and doing whatever. And I was like, he's got a book and I want to read it. You know what? I, Dear patrons and dear listeners, I'm going to wait to give my review of Flame's book until Shawnee can listen to it. Because I feel like we both need to. The second book, whether you want to listen to it or not, you can. And I'll wait for you if you want me to, but I could also just tell you what happens. But the third book, I think I'm going to have to wait for you to read it so that we can talk about it because I'm intrigued. Also, I said that he was a McDreamy, like he's supposed to be a McSteamy, but he's not a McSteamy. He's really a McDreamy because he saves her and he takes care of her and protects her from the cult. So he's really a McDreamy. Yeah. And apparently his love for her stops his stutter. Dun, dun, dun. It does. Just at the very end, that one scene. Yeah, he says, like, one whole sentence without stuttering. I don't know that much about stuttering, although I've seen it in a few movies that it was, like, featured prominently in. But it does seem to be the, like, the more that you can be relaxed and not worried about your words, the less you stutter. Seems to be, like, a general thing. So, like, for me, it just went back to that sort of, like, soulmate idea that even as a child, he, like, something about her, like, relaxed him enough that he could talk. And the more he was around her and she didn't judge him for the way he talked... And she didn't, like, make him uncomfortable for the way he talked. He, like, was able to relax around her. That was just the way I took it. Because he still doesn't... He, it's not like she solves his stutter and now he can talk to other people. He still can't talk to other people. You know what I mean? He just delivered that one sentence. <laughs> yeah, he just talks to her only. All right, Bridge. I know you got, like, a bunch of favorite lines. I actually don't have that many. I thought they had... She had one night, like, sweet one, which is when she's like essentially like reaffirming the fact that she loves him after he's worried about Ryder. And she says, I have only ever liked one boy in my life. I have only wanted one man to have as my own. I have only ever had one dream since I was eight 
sticks the dream is you you stole my heart 15 years ago and you still haven't given it back and i always just think that's like a nice sentiment you know when someone's like it's kind of like the end of a rom-com you know when they're like listing the 10 things they love about someone and you're just like oh that's nice that you <laughs> that you only have ever loved him like that's just a nice it's just nice you know it's just nice i like it uh, i had two favorite lines well one favorite which is very simple i want you to own me i was like yes <laughs> you do own love, her you she's do asking for it yeah. just own her you know what i'm saying don't make her ask twice <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is more of like it's not quite that i liked it but it was i was wrong so damn i'm not gonna read the stutter because i yeah my brain yeah yeah, yeah i was wrong so damn wrong you need a strong man babe you need a man to love you to protect you to be your fucking world her breath paused and i smirked it's me, babe. It's so fucking me. And I was like, there's that title of the book. Yeah, there's the title. Is. Look at that. We're coming off full circle. Yes. Full circle. <laughs> it is me. It wasn't at the beginning, I didn't think, but it is. My other favorite one was also a stutter, but I won't read the stutter. Is I want you to. Fuck. I want you in my bed, by my side, on my bike. I want you as my old lady, taking care of me, needing me, letting me inside you. And I was like... Well, why don't you just let him ride on inside them? <laughs> you severely <laughs> traumatized vroom, vroom. cult survivor. <laughs> I think that was also part of it was the like, there were a few things that, and this is like such a weird thing to say, but that I was happy about in terms of the way that they were raped. And I know this is going to sound really weird and it might be a horrible sentiment, but I was happy they were never kissed on the mouth. And I was happy that they only ever did it like as like a weird, like tying the hands behind the back doggy style. Only because I feel like it made it easier for me in my mind to not be wondering like, why isn't she freaked out by kissing him? Or why isn't she freaked out by him being on top of her or her being on top of him? And so like, he never has sex with her doggy style. Cause I imagine that would be incredibly triggering, but it's not like I'm like happy. Cause obviously I'm not happy she was raped in the story at all, even though it's fiction, but I'm also like, it helped explain the way that she was able to have sex, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And then, although I will say that in the third book, she is not even sure she'll ever be able to, like, touch him at the beginning of the book. She's, like, worried she'll, like, literally never be able to stand his hand touching her anywhere on her entire... Because, like, she, like, kind of had it the worst. Like, her brother, who was assigned to her, was, like, the worst of them. So, like, I will say, like, again, like, she definitely had a very different sexual experience for at least the three characters so far that I have seen. And I will obviously be reading the threesome and let you know about the threesome. Okay, okay. The threesome has to be read. I mean, it just, it has to. The thing is, like, as much as I dislike this book, I don't dislike Tilly Cole's writing. So it's like, I feel like that might be confusing, but like, I can see the potential. And even though this book was so clumsy to me, this book felt very clumsy, I can see it being a good world builder for the next book or the next books to come. So I'm actually excited to read more from Tilly Cole, even though this one did not hit my buttons. It hit the spot for you. I agree. I definitely agree. I wanted to read. So this book was recommended a lot. And also so was Lord of London Town, which is one of her newer books. And this book, I think, was written in 2014. So like this book is like. You know, she's been writing for seven years since now. 
So, and the Lord of London Town one is supposed to be like much darker. Like he's a London mafia prince sort of idea. And, but they did not have it on audio. That's why I did not choose it. But I'll probably read that one too and just like check it out for you and let you know. (laughs) Treat myself. Let me know. Also, so I'm not convinced that the motorcycle club books are my jimmy jam and not my cup of tea, but they're also like not terrible. It's not like I hate them, but it's just if I have like the option. I honestly feel like it's more of like an action suspense thing for you. Like this is where this kind of falls for me is like I like this type of book. I like this type of TV show. Like it had a lot of so like all the stuff that you had problems with. Obviously, I was like, I didn't have any problems with that because X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And the same thing I feel like was when we were reading like any book that has spies or black ops or something. And you're like, what about all these things? And I'm like, Shani, none of that matters. (laughs) So I feel like that makes sense why I like this book more than you. (laughs) uh yeah i mean i'm gonna try more tilly cole and i think i'll try like another motorcycle club from like a different author we have another one i think coming up this season oh okay you guys like it should be at the tip of my tongue like what books we're doing this season but it's not it is late it is 11 30 at night it's not that it's 11 30 it's just like well we can announce it on the podcast i'm moving to chicago so shawnee is unhappy about this development although it's gonna be great we haven't seen each other in real life really in a year anyways and everything is still going great in our friendship and business partnership so we will keep delivering great content i think we're gonna see each other like so much more than you think and it's gonna be like quality time because i'm gonna leave my children and we're gonna go spend like a weekend at a convention together or I'm going to leave my family and then we're going to go. You had me at leave the children. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> then I'll, my brother and his kids are there so they could take the kids for the weekend. They're bigger now. They can go with my mom or my dad. There's going to be a lot more opportunities for like solo bridge shawnee time, which is going to be stupendous. So what did you give the old book? What did you give the final rating? You're at a two. So I'm assuming you gave it a two, but... Maybe not. I was waffling between two and three. I was. Because normally if I think a book is a good solid read, yeah, I gave it a three, even if it's not my favorite. However, I gave this book a two because I don't want anybody to read this book thinking I gave it a three and think it's a solid book. I don't think it's solid. Okay. So I gave it a two. I gave it a four because I read two and three after. I was like you. I was intrigued by the next stories. And I always feel like if I like a book enough and I'm reading it and I like immediately want to open book number two, that's like for me, You like I don't usually do that with book like threes. Usually I'm like, oh, that was okay. And then I just move on. But usually fours or fives. I mean, fives, I immediately like before I'm even finished, I've already like purchased the next one or already have it in the queue ready to go or I panic. But fours like... I will immediately like read the next one. So I did read books two and three right after because I wanted to see what happened to her sisters. I definitely don't think this book was hot or steamy. They do have some good sex on the page, but it's it's definitely, again, not hot or steamy. It's just like sex on the page. For me, like this book was more like fascinating and I was invested in the characters and like the side characters in the world. So I wanted to like stay in the world. And also like, again, a lot of nostalgia for the MC world. A lot of sense of anarchy love bleeding into this. A lot of just like, I enjoy this type of book where there's like a lot of just like shit going on and a lot of like action and things are like moving. I enjoy that in general when I'm reading. And I just thought like the cult stuff was just like fascinating to read about. 
And again, I liked books two and three. I do think like I probably would have given I would give it a four regardless. I probably would have given the characters a four and a three, honestly, if I had rated this right after I read it, but I didn't. So they're staying at a five and a four and a four overall. Which makes sense though, because normally we're like a star off from each other. Yeah. A four and a three would make more sense than a, a five and a four. But again, I do have to say that they're, I like their characters in the next books. Hey, man, there was some redemption. There's for them. redemption. I did not like Ryder's character enough to read his book. That was like, fuck you, bro. You don't deserve a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve a happy ending. So I will skip you and I will go into. I just feel like for Ryder to have a happy ending, like for me to enjoy Ryder's book, he's got to do something so amazing that it like counterbalances all the bullshittery. Do you want me to tell you what happens in book three or should I save it for Patreon? No, don't tell me. I'm going to read book three. Wait, which one is Ryder's book? His is book four, right? His is book four, but he's featured heavily in books two and three because he's like the main. Okay, no, no. I'm going to okay. I'm going to read it. Like, okay, I'm going to okay, read okay. it. Yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. A four and a two. This might be the furthest apart Shani and I have ever been. Oh, wait, that's probably not true, though, because Katrina Jackson's book, we are, we are far apart, too. We were polar opposites. I love that book so much. Which I have to read another Katrina Jackson. because Pink Slip. You should read it if you guys like spy romance. It is sexy as fuck. I love it. It's got a lot of sex in it. I will tell you that. But you have to suspend your logical like, disbelief it's if you want. It's a spy romance, Shawnee. They already knew they had to suspend disbelief. It's a spy, <laughs> menage, thruple romance. That's all. That's it. A married couple falls in love with their assistant. Both of them fall. They all fall in love with each other. It's a spy romance. It's a spy romance. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad because, okay, so Katrina Jackson's book, we did early on in the podcast, right? So since then, I felt like we were reading much more of these quickie, like, get-you-off type books or whatever, which I feel like Katrina Jackson's book is a bit like that because it wasn't a novella. No, but it's not long. Okay, it felt like a novella, and it's like, it felt very much like a quickie get-you-off, and that's kind of what it is. Now, yeah, it's only, it's 280 pages, so it's not super short, but it's also not long. It's not long. Bridget is correct. I do not really enjoy spy books. I tell her all the time, I don't want to be titillated. (laughs) But if I'm going to be in like a spy thing or like cops or detectives or things like that, then I get invested in that and then I want it to make sense. And so I just could not under any circumstance fathom why they brought her on a spy mission. (laughs) Which is like the dumbest, (laughs) the the whole premise of the book is like her problem is like that you would never bring your civilian assistant on a spy mission except for (laughs) that they had to because they needed to get into a bds club and they needed to be a threesome to entice the bad guy so that then they could save the world and they don't trust anyone else except for her and they're in love with her Obviously. So they brought a civilian into a highly dangerous yes, they did. situation. And she when, performed when with they a murdered plum. someone in front with of her. A plum. Shawnee, I they don't want to hear any more nonsense about logic. She knows they kill people, they're spies. She doesn't care about that. She, she did she not loves know them. they were spies until afterwards. And out telling her they just killed a motherfucker right in front of her. And she was just like, Okay. Shani, 
Guys, ignore. Actually, you know what? Don't ignore Shani. You know what you should do? We're going to end this episode. But you definitely should go back to season three and listen to us talk about the episode because and about the book because it was so much fun. It basically was the exact same thing of Shani just being like, what the fuck's going on? And me being like, ignore it. It's fun. I also would like to say that it is one of the very, very few. I think we've only done two books where there was no audiobook. So you can go back and listen to us discuss whether I think and Shawnee thinks we talked about whether that colored her review and whether if she had listened to it, if she would have rated it maybe a star higher. So it's a really interesting episode. So definitely go check it out in season three. It came out in, I want to say May, possibly June of 2020, if you were scrolling through your podcasting app. And if you guys have another Katrina Jackson book that you recommend, highly hit me up because I want to give her a second read, especially if there's audio, especially if there's audio. But I want to give her a second read because I felt like she came in early and, and I've relaxed my like standards in terms of some of these books that are just like these little quick adventure fuck rompers or whatever. Yeah, I don't think you would because none of the other quickie books that we've done are in that genre. I mean, you're very true. I don't think you, I just don't think you like that genre, like suspense. Oh, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Bridget. But <laughs> I feel like if you're recommending Katrina Jackson, recommend a Katrina Jackson that is not in the suspense romance. Get, get Shawnee some regular non spy romance from Katrina Jackson. <laughs> Contemporary, anything historical, fantasy, if Katrina Jackson has any fantasy. Aliens, I will also accept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. Fun surprise. We are going to go on our Homegirl Sarah's Smart Bitches Trashy Books podcast. And she knows us so well that she chose a alien menage for us. Yes. What a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. Tara, we love you. <laughs> So considerate. So considerate. She's like, what do you guys think about this? And we were like, yes, please. That sounds (laughs) delightful. So we're super excited about that. We will let you guys know when that episode is going to be coming out in the next couple of months. Weeks? I don't actually know when it comes out. Weeks? Months? Who knows? I I don't know. (laughs) All right. That is all we have for you tonight. This is just a good night, Bridget. I love when we disagree on a book. It's I do too. It's so fun. The most fun. <laughs> it's the most fun. Contra- I feel like there's going to be a lot more disagreements in this season just based on the subject matter. True. And also because I don't think we've, not, neither of us have read any of the authors before. So like in historicals, you had already read a bunch of the authors. In our season that we just did, the mashup, we had already read like, or I had already read a couple of the authors, not that book necessarily, but I was choosing authors like for a specific purpose. And so this is a season where we have not read a single author. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think like, I mean, I've read, I've read quite a bit dark romance, but I wouldn't say I'm like hugely, hugely versed in dark romance. So it's kind of nice to go on this like adventure together. Hell yeah. I'm digging this shit. Digging it. But I would like a proper dark romance. I'm hopeful because there's a couple in here that have some real titles that I'm like, can't not be dark with that title right (laughs) right i know we have like a mafia one later on in the season and i'm like i love mafia i mean we talked about the russian mafia we have some bully romances too so we have some like i think we'll probably get some good bullying in our romance (laughs) good good bullying (laughs) 
on that note. On that note. <laughs> may your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. Goodbye, we friends. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.